Welcome to In This New Season, where we're learning this life again and again. We're excited to tell you about our sponsor, Jessica Gallant Beauty. Jessica recently did our makeup and it was so natural and truly fun and delightful spending time with her. Jessica created her own makeup line, which is vegan and cruelty-free, and it's known for the PEI palette, which has 16 eyeshadow shades. She created reflecting the colors of PEI, which is so cute. There's even a shade called Garlic Fingers. And she recently launched the brand new mini PEI palette, which includes six neutral shades from the PEI palette you'll use every day. You can check her out on Instagram at Jessica Gallant Beauty or on her website, jessicagallantbeauty.com. Let me tell you about our sponsor, Ash Green Design. We worked with Ash on a really special project for the podcast, and she turned our vision into a reality and made it seamless every step of the way. Ash and her team joyfully create visual brand identity systems for businesses and events of all sizes. They pour over every detail from the logo, colors, and typefaces to apparel, social posts, and products. Designing the customer's experience at every touchpoint, they take the guesswork out of your creative projects by providing a clear set of visual brand identity guidelines. You can find out more at ashgreen.design, which is spelled A-S-H-E-G-R-E-E-N.design, or find her on social at ashgreendesign. Today's guest is Steph Sullivan. We're so, so excited to have you here today. We're going to be talking about human design. You can tell we're pretty excited. <laughs> we're very excited. We are excited. <laughs> Something I've just learned about at various times of life, but have been diving deeper in this past year and I'm just fascinated by. And I, as far as I understand, Steph is the kind of leading expert on the island. Um, so we're so happy you're here. Uh, I'll let you give a little more backstory about, about yourself. Yeah, leading expert. Wow, I've been given that title. Um, Yeah, so my name is Steph. Um, I've been really thinking about lately how I introduce myself. I've shared this with a few different people lately because I think the go-to is to say what you do. And I'm trying to detach my productivity from my worth. So I'm practicing talking about who I am as a person before I introduce um, what I do. So I really... I've been leaning into the identities of being sensitive and emotional, really curious about humans and why they do what they do and how to also just help people connect to themselves. I think that's one of my biggest areas of interest that's kind of woven in all the things I do, whether that be through human design, where we're learning, you know, how does someone look at their energy and how it operates in the world, but also through helping people move their bodies, which is another kind of facet of what I do. Um, and I feel very, I feel very privileged to have the position of helping and guiding people. And I don't take it lightly. And a lot of that's been through my developed skills through childhood. And I think a lot of when I talk about who I am now kind of goes back to where it all began, you know. And um I grew up with two parents who struggled with mental illness a lot, and it's really shaped who I am and how I care for people and how in tune I am to people's small little changes in their energies. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. I I tend to avoid the biggest part of who I am because it's not currently a part of my life, but I come from a background in nursing. Um, And a lot of people don't know this about me either. And Mm -hmm. I tend to not always share it because it's a, it's an identity that I'm processing, letting go of, but currently also tiptoeing back into. So it's a bit of a strange time in that sense, but I nursed for eight years. I'm starting to just sort of come home to the idea that I might want to explore that again. Mm. But there's been a two to three year grieving process 
And I didn't know if I'd ever explore that. Um, but I get to help people in so many ways that it feels, it feels interesting to kind of be dipping my toe back in that world. So we'll see. We'll see what that brings. I'm not sure. And I'm really okay with that right now, which is really nice. Mm. Oh. What a beautiful intro. I love that so much. <laughs> Speaking our language over here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us about where you grew up, uh, what, where you were living, when, what's been your journey up to now and getting into human design? Yeah, so I grew up in a very small town called Bethany, which is in Ontario, um, in the Kawartha Lakes area. So Truthfully, where I went to school, which was in Peterborough, um, Peterborough feels like PEI. It's a very small town. There's farms everywhere. People are, you know, really open to helping their neighbor. It's very community focused. Um, a lot of driving down back roads. <laughs> we don't have beaches there. Uh, we have a lot of lakes, so it's a little bit different in that sense. Um, but I, yeah, I grew up in a really small town. And um, is Bethany the same as Bethany Hills? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I used to work at a summer camp there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Smallest world. (laughs) The town, I think, has less than a thousand people. It's considered, I think, a hamlet, not like a town or a city. It's so tiny. Um, So with that came a lot of like interesting things. I noticed when I went to university, coming from a small town, I had experimented with so much before the city kids, which kind of seems in a way, like a bit backwards, but I think when you live in a small town, at least for my experience in the country, there's not a lot to do. Mm. So we got into alcohol at a young age. We partied. We, you know, I think just had like a different experience. And so I remember getting to university and uh, yeah, I kind of thought I went through my party phase, but then I was on my own fully and university was like a whole new world. And I was in nursing school. I went to McMaster in Hamilton, and I was in a very difficult program. I was also a varsity athlete. What did you play? Lacrosse. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I didn't mention one of the labels that I'm trying to let go of, but overachiever, like, definitely have that kind of flavor. Um, I've always thought, like, do it all. I can do it all. And yeah, university was a really hard time for me. I really struggled with partying and also trying to get good grades. And I managed to do it somehow Dean's List, but partied every weekend. And yeah, on the outside, it looked really good. I think people were like, wow, she's a nurse. And my family like really, I think, appreciated that. And I I feel that I was actually the first person to go to post-secondary education in my family. So it was like a big deal. And my parents kind of always, I found, put this this energy, like, gold star child, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, put this identity on me that I, I found was hard because I always had a kind of felt like I was trying to live up to expectations. And, uh, yeah, I, I got into nursing. I was working downtown Toronto for eight years at a really extremely acute, busy hospital in the city. Um, hit burnout about three to four times in my career. Severe physical symptoms, um, did a lot of exploring in my career, like try to find what would work, realize that the system was what was really challenging me, even though I tried all different types of work and hours and things like that. I had a really hard time just getting roadblocks um, in my experience where I couldn't feel like I could truly help people. It was always like, there's not enough money or not enough time or, you know, and um, the year that changed it all was 2020, <laughs> like a lot of people. And I really, uh, 
assessed when everything was stripped away of my life and all I could do was nurse and I was working a lot of overtime and I was getting floated all over during the the pandemic, I was like, wow, if nothing else is in my life, I can't do this. You know, there was other buffers. I started teaching fitness on the side. I've always been an entrepreneurial on the side of nursing. Friends and family helped mitigate some of that. But when it was just that, um, yeah, I I had a, a kind of a big wake up call. So I actually had a human design reading in 2020. Prior to that, I heard about it on a podcast, actually. So this is a full circle moment whenever I record a podcast. (laughs) And the person explained it, and I was interested, and I kind of looked up some charts. It was back in, like, 2018. It wasn't very big then. And then I kind of used it to also look up, like, my family and my friends. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then 2020, I was like, I need some support, and I'm not one to ask. So booking a human design reading was, like, a big deal Mm -hmm. for me. And— yeah, this, she's my now mentor and she just like gave me permission to feel the things I was already feeling. And a lot of people say that about human design when they learn this tool, they say, well, I've already known this about myself, but to hear someone else say it is so validating. And so after that reading, I kind of was like, okay, I think I need to make some changes. And, um, after a, a few series of unfortunate events, my partner and I found our way to PEI. Um, that could be a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I had the privilege to step back from my career and started studying human design very seriously. I just became obsessed with it after that reading. I started that fall of 2020 in what's called HD school, which is to learn about human design. It's like spiritual university, I call it. <laughs> and I was like, wow this might be a thing that allows me to use so many skills in nursing, so much of what I thought maybe I was losing when I left my career. And maybe I can do something that is more connected to who I am, but allows me to support people. And there was never, um, there was never a doubt in my mind that I would find something other than nursing or something along the lines of nursing, because I always had one foot in and one out. Mm -hmm. I always was like, I'm going to try this and do this. And You know, ultimately, I've come to realize that the skills I've gained in my career are so transferable to what I do now. So human design has um, opened me up to the potential that what I'm here to do is just packaged a little differently than what I originally thought, which I think is a really cool realization to know that you're not going to predict how you show up in the world in the future. Like things change, but you can still bring all the experience you gained into that new thing into that new season. (laughs) (laughs) I I so agree with that. Do you remember anything from that reading that was really profound or struck you at the time? Yeah, one really distinct thing she said to me, you have what in human design is called an activated heart center. So there's a spot in the human design chart that only about 30% of people have. And when it's activated, there is a potential to overwork and overdo things and be um, in a space where it's difficult to rest. And she said to me, like, you you need two days off working a week. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, not fake rest. You, mm. you will be really good at fake resting when you have this configuration. And you ultimately need two days off of no work. Don't check your email, your phone, like true deep rest. And because I had so many things on the go prior to 2020, 
I would only tell myself that working was only nursing and that everything else I was doing, I had a blog, I taught fitness. I was just like, I had an events company, like I was doing all these things and they didn't feel like work. So I wouldn't classify them in the same way, but they were. And ultimately I never had two days off a week. Mm -hmm. And if I did, I would be like resting, but like casually working and it doesn't seem like looking back that that's like so life-changing, but I think that hearing that I was like, okay, wait, yeah, I actually don't give myself space. And in 2020, when so many people were perhaps doing less and resting more, um, I worked the most I've ever in my whole mm-hmm. career. And so, yeah, there was a piece of me that was like, I don't know that I can keep going the way that I'm going. And I help so many people, but there's nothing left for me. And mm-hmm. I I think that, yeah, just it, it opened up doors for me to really look inside. Because I think when you're so outwardly focused on others, you get to yourself at the end of the day and you're like, okay, I don't have the energy to look in there. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And when you open that door, sometimes there's stuff that maybe you don't have the capacity to deal with. And nursing was a I'll just straight out say it. I'm learning to lean into this, a very traumatic experience Mm. in many ways. I hold a lot of trauma from my work. Mm. And uh, I didn't know that 2020 in itself was a whole bunch of trauma. Mm -hmm. But but prior to that, there was a lot that was unprocessed. And um, something great that came out of the last few years is starting therapy on a regular basis. And I realized, wow, this is something that I offer and like suggest other people do a lot dang, I really, really, really needed that support too. And Mm. I've consistently done it since 2020, which Mm. I'm really grateful for. It's really helped. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's so great Mm. that you've been doing that. And I really do believe that could be very traumatic. And Mm -hmm. I think that even I understand the reservation around that it can be difficult even when someone validates our experience and says, that sounds like it was traumatic. Mm-hmm. I know from myself being on the receiving end of that, like when people have said that to me, like if a therapist has said that to me, it has sometimes taken me years to, to be able to let that in, mm-hmm. right? Like sometimes we, when we haven't perceived it that way, it's, it's hard to even give ourselves permission to allow that to have been part of the truth, like to, yeah. to take that part in and what would that mean and what would it mean if if that were true and and being able to work with it from that place is, is hard. And yeah. yeah, and I can feel how you've like softened into letting that be true and mm-hmm. let that like process what you'd have been through. And it can be especially tricky whenever, you know, I know like for me, if it's others, if it's situations like where you were looking around at other nurses and they were doing very similar things, but not finding it traumatic. That's also what can be so challenging for us, like subjectively trying to process what does this mean for me and trying to let your own truth be enough. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the thing as I looked around in my career many times, I remember like looking at these nurses who have families and young children and I'm like, what is wrong with me? How are they doing this? Mm -hmm. Is this really like not hard for them? Why Mm -hmm. is it so hard for me? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a young adult. I'm healthy. Why am I struggling so much with this? And I really realized, I think that there is a, you know, that saying ignorance is bliss. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I just think we 
So through life a bit ignorant about how we feel and how hard something really is. Because a lot of what I learned in nursing, which is a great skill, it shows up a lot in my life. When something's really stressful or chaotic or traumatic, I can show up with a lot of grace and presence. And I'm really gifted at being with people in difficult moments. And yet I put up this like shield because you have to, because it's really hard to constantly be exposed to difficult events. And I found that I started to like compartmentalize things and I'd like hide them away and package them up and be like, that's fine. And ultimately, I think when I talk to other people in the field, there's a lot there. It's just that in the field, on your feet, with people, something happens, but you have other patients, you have to go to the next Mm -hmm. person and you just put on face and you get really good at faking it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I faked a lot of my 20s, I would Mm -hmm. say, Mm -hmm. about how I was feeling. And then my 30s have been like, feel it all. And it's come out. Like (laughs) I have been (laughs) releasing and opening and sharing and exploring and really just being human and like allowing myself to have the full spectrum. And it took me taking myself out of the environment. Mm -hmm. You know, they say you can't heal an environment that made you sick. And so, yeah, that's why there's a bit of apprehension about dipping a toe Mm. in because I'm not sure yet what that's going to look like. But I have gained so much clarity to say like, okay, maybe, maybe I have a different awareness now. Mm -hmm. My boundaries are different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not the same. No, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, I felt similar with teaching, like looking around being like, why why is why is everyone seem to be doing so feeling so comfortable with this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so tired. Yeah. It's just draining me in a way that isn't doesn't feel right. And there's something about the the with human design with the individual lens that it allows that you can really start to I think gain self-compassion and acceptance of exactly who you are and how it's it's not that there's something wrong with you, you're just in the in the wrong on the wrong boat or something. Like you might just yeah. not be in the right place and in a situation like that. That doesn't mean that you can't work really hard, be really effective, do all sorts of things. But you could feel more aligned in another environment. I think you're right. A lot of times people are sleepwalking and don't realize it. They don't know that they're out of that alignment, or they or they don't spend enough time. Or it's tricky just to question that and know what aligned even feels like. Yeah. 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 That's the thing is what, like, what does feeling good feel like? Mm -hmm. Especially if you don't let yourself feel good. Mm -hmm. I was thinking too, but like, do you think that your skill at handling really challenging moments, like those moments with people or being able to hold that space or be with in trauma and kind of keep calm in those settings comes from your upbringing? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up with very confusing mm-hmm. homes, two homes. Both my parents have bipolar. This is a very mm-hmm. rare, I'm learning, mm-hmm. experience for a child. Um, one that struggled with addiction quite heavily. And so I learned to say and do the right things at the right times and know when someone's yeah. emotionally heightened and what not to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I got really good at, yeah, exactly, anticipating, like, trying to observe, like, what's the next move? Yeah. Or when they're struggling, like, what is it that I need to do to help them feel better? Mm-hmm. So right. it, it, I really get that. It teaches you 
a lot about caring for people, but it didn't teach me how to care for myself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's exactly, yeah. It's because really- it's always like morphing who you are to suit situations and something that I deeply remember very vividly because you know how the brain works. We we have these negative experiences and they they just seem to embed themselves mm. in there. Where's all the positive ones? Um, no, I had this experience where um, I was told, you're too sensitive, stop crying. Mm. And for like most of my life, I knew I was sensitive, but I would really hold back because when you hear that as a child, you're like, okay, I can't do that. I can't be that way. That's upsetting this person further. Like, I need to stop crying. And so that's why I, like, share when when people ask you, like, who you are, I'm sensitive. I just, I have to keep saying mm-hmm. it. I have mm-hmm. to keep claiming it. Yeah. Yeah. And bringing myself back to that place that, like, it's okay to have emotions. Mm-hmm. And, and it always was. Absolutely. Yeah. But when the adults yeah. around are are dysregulated by emotions— then, then of course, you had to learn how to suppress it. Yeah. Yeah. But it yeah. was always healthy. It was yeah. just an indicator of what, what they weren't able to tolerate being around. And then made to, you were, sounds like made to feel like you're the problem for making me feel upset. Which, yeah. of course, a kid, we really, that really can't be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have so much love and grace and forgiveness for my parents. Like I I really feel almost so forgiving in a way mm-hmm. because I feel like the struggles that they go through and still go through. Thankfully, they're both still here with us um, and are on a healing journey, both of them. And it's really beautiful. That's and I beautiful. think the last few years for me have been feeling confident that they're okay so I can start my healing mm. journey. Mm. Were wow. you forgiving always or did you deal with always. resentment? Mm-hmm. You were always Yeah, forgiving. to the point That's where I've learned in therapy that maybe mm-hmm. there is some onus that needs mm-hmm. to be <laughs> taken. I was going to say, listen, you're walking, so my little, you're walking my road here. Yeah, it, that even that, like what other option did we have, right? So yeah. there, that almost being so forgiving is a— it is a gift to be able to hold so much compassion for people and always have being able to look and see, I see how much pain you're in or you wouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. And at, But at the same time, it is, it's like means that at a really young age, there was a taking responsibility for things that weren't always. yours to carry. Yeah. yeah. On both sides, right? Yeah. Now I will say something that was a buffer and a blessing was both of my step-parents um, were rocks in my life. Mm. So... I share that, you know, my two biological parents have bipolar, but my step-parents were like the equalizers and brought me, I think, like opportunities to see other types of parenting. And I was really like, I still am so grateful to have four parents that raised me um, and a lot of grandparents and just really was able, I think, to, yes, I internalized a lot of my childhood and, and it shaped me, but at the same time, like, I wouldn't change a thing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I really feel, and it, you know, it's funny, it's in my human design too. Like, I, I feel like I, I'm playing this game of life and some of these challenges are just things that I've had to learn from and endure. And I try to like alchemize those into supporting other people mm-hmm. and also coming home to myself, like learning there is some healing and, mm-hmm. and reparenting that has to happen. And 
Um, you know, I'm only a few years really into this journey, but I feel like I have a really good awareness now of like what is overgiving. Mm-hmm. And that's come out of the last few years of doing a lot of inner work. Almost going to the other extreme, which is also in my human design chart, I tend to like <laughs> go really intense helping people and then go really intense, like shutting everyone out and just like zoning yeah. in on myself. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of like now I feel sort of like coming out of this like big healing journey the last few years and just like, okay, how do I do both? Mm, and my yeah. therapist and I, every session this, this comes up, <laughs> how do we balance like these two pieces and know that it's not always going to be in the middle, but sometimes I'm going to need to go this way, but I have mm-hmm. to remember to go back this mm-hmm. way. And I can't just put so much pressure on myself to like find the middle all the time. Like I'm going to, mm-hmm. going to have to go kind of in a flow, you know? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's been, um, yeah, everything that's brought me here. And every time I'm on a podcast, I think about like the journey because it has me reflect a lot. And it just all makes sense. Like hindsight is twenty twenty, right? And yeah. Everything that I've been through, I think, has just all been part of the plan. And um, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. I loved what you said about not always having to be perfectly in the middle. I had a therapist once that told me, like, they said it was a road. The road is pretty wide. You can go on both sides, but if you go too far on either side, you're in the ditch. Mm. And I just love that. I was like, wow, right, because yeah. you still have space on the road to sort yourself out. But you, yeah. if you're going too far, you're going to end up in the ditch. Yeah. Either way, you yeah. know, to stay totally. on the, the width of the road was a, a, really a good way that she said that. Yeah, yes, really it was well really said. good. Yeah. yeah, and what you're saying about al- alchemizing your experiences and viewing them all as part of, of sort of our are teaching to become who we're meant to be and how we can be of most service in the world. And I, I feel the same, anything challenging I've been through it. I think we get to, we can live with the most amount of peace if we can find a way to integrate that in and say, even that is now something that has made me more. Yeah. Allowed me to, to offer more because of going through that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been, I think just, so much awareness and insight and love and um I bring it into my work like I I feel that if I didn't have the experiences I had I wouldn't be the type of listener I am I wouldn't be the type of person that is so in tune to like subtle shifts in people's emotions or body language and um it shows up in all the things I do and something I've really come to realize is like no matter what I do like I'm I'm trying my best to show up as me and regardless of the vehicle of which I offer my skills and gifts and wisdom to the world, um, I need to bring all of that with me because that's all me and it's all part of my experience. Do you find that boundary difficult to hold when you're doing human design? Like you're, you're still in that compassionate caregiver type of role. And mm-hmm. sometimes I would imagine when you're doing um, those readings, but do you find that like a difficult boundary to give yourself like with with people that you're doing human design with? Yeah, I I have this channel, um, which is an energy kind of area of the chart that indicates I am a great listener. But the other side of the channel is this energy of retreating. So you almost listen, but then you need to retreat and go in and reflect and then bring it back and share about it. So I find that I really need to retreat after I do sessions. Like I really notice my throat gets really tired, which is where I hold a lot of energy in my chart and I really need to release people's energy. I don't tend to, I feel, hold deeply onto energy 
but I feel when I'm in a session with someone, like I'm, I'm so there to the point, I feel like the house could start catching on fire. And sometimes I don't even know if I would notice, like, I'm just, I'm just so there and I'm so in tune and something happens when I, I'm with people, whether it's nursing, human design, or just talking one-on-one, if I'm really connected to someone, I feel very intuitive. Mm-hmm. And so when I do sessions, I go in with a sort of plan because I do have a bit of control in my chart too. I have to have some planning in there. <laughs> but I don't ever anticipate where it's going to go because it goes one of two ways. Someone shows up and they say, just tell me everything you know about me. And they don't want to share anything. And you can tell their energies may be a bit closed. And they're not there to divulge any details. They're just there to receive, which I totally appreciate. And then there's some people that I barely even share information because they just want to divulge. And I have this vortex in my chart that has people unload on me mm-hmm. and sometimes say like I can't believe I told you that like it's a big <laughs> theme um so it's interesting to see like there are different types of people and they come for different reasons and I find that the biggest thing is that by the end what I know I've done the work I'm here to do is when they've softened their mm-hmm. energy has relaxed and they feel like more at ease and you can see their eyes are like glimmering more and they feel love and they feel whole like more whole and and it's almost like because they're all virtual as well I I I read virtually I I feel like I'm wrapping my arms around them by the end and we're like it's it's really cool and I I had this in nursing the difference is is sometimes I only have five minutes with someone Mm. and I'm trying to do a hundred things as I'm talking to them and I'm a great multitasker, but you don't have the same connection when you're rushed and stressed and there's buzzing and lights and dinging. Like it, mm-hmm. it's highly overstimulating. And so the moments I remember in nursing the most fondly and that I had the most impact was when I was able to give space and time. Mm. Yeah. And when things are really traumatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, mm-hmm. we remember those too. But mm-hmm. but I feel that I just I don't know. There's just some something about human design that I feel when I found it, I just knew it was going to be a big part of my life. And boy, has it become. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully. Because yeah. it sounds like it really gives you all the time and space to be able to really sit with someone and, and have that connection that's the most fulfilling and meaningful and just aligned for you, yeah. which I really resonate with. Fuel Your Body is an island-based subscription meal service offering premium high-protein meals. They offer over 70 choices and they rotate and their produce is all sourced locally and cooked fresh weekly. There are 11 convenient pickup fridge locations across PEI or you can opt for home delivery where your food will arrive in cooler bags with ice packs, which is very convenient. So convenient. That's what we've been doing and it is amazing. (laughs) I think that Fuel Your Body makes such an amazing gift for somebody who just had a baby. Yes, yeah. I also know with adjusting to kindergarten in our house, having my lunches ready to go has made the morning go so much smoother. For you, our lovely listeners, they have given you 25% off your first order using the code FYBSEASON, spelled out, and you can order yours today at eatfyb.ca. What, what, can you give like a, just for people who might not know what human design is, just a really quick yeah. intro. Yeah, so I 
explain it kind of like an energetic Myers-Briggs. I feel like people have the familiarity with that system. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's a synthesis of a lot of ancient modalities. There's a lot of wisdom in this one tool and a lot of, I think people come to it with knowing one of the things. So astrology, the Hindu chakra system, Judaic Kabbalah, there's genetics, the Chinese I Ching. It, there's, there's a lot in there. And I think it's important to pay reverence to all these ancient systems because it is a synthesis. Human design is a new concept in the way that it's delivered, but it pulls so much knowledge from other areas. And it's only about 35 years old, so it is like newer. Some people are calling it like the new age astrology. Um, But you can think of it like at the time you were born, there was something really magical happening in the cosmos. So we pull from astrology in the sense of we're looking at the minute someone's born. That's why knowing your birth information and the time and place is, is how you generate your human design chart. And so at the moment of birth, there's actually something that has been proven by science in 1998. So it's a little less woo for my science (laughs) side of my brain. It's like, okay, there's some validity here because I always question things. I'll have everyone know that's questioning anything, you know, in this this world. Um, We're imprinted with something called neutrinos, which are fancy, it's a fancy word for stardust. Basically right now there's like trillions moving through us. But at the moment of our birth, the neutrino stream passes through planets and then goes through us when we're born. And so it kind of like turns on half of our human design chart and imprints us with information from all the planets, including the sun, which is the biggest influence on your human design chart. But then three months before your birth, something that's really cool about human design, there's an imprint that happens in the subconscious side of your chart. So you get personality traits through this modality, but also subconscious traits, which can have you really looking at, okay, like, I don't resonate with that as much, but other people will see that side in you more. Mm. So there's like two superimposed charts and you get this image when you generate your chart with a bunch of numbers and symbols and lines and it's super overwhelming and you're like, what the heck is this? (laughs) It's so complicated. And I, you know, I've been studying this. Realistically, I generated my first chart in 2018 and I've kind of dabbled since then, but really intensely since 2020. And I feel like I've barely scratched the surface. There's so much to learn and it can give you, I say to people like, Whatever you're looking for, you can probably find it here. Mm. A lot of people come to me, they want clarity on how do I use my energy? How do I get out of burnout? How do I, you know, what are my gifts? What am I here to do? A lot of people want to know about their purpose because we've all been sold this idea that like you have to find your purpose. (laughs) Side note, I believe that we don't have to find it, that it's actually like already within us because we're born with this human design chart and it never changes. We just have to kind of like come back home to it. And I think that what's really beautiful is that we're here to learn along life how to peel back this onion and kind of like do this little deep dive into coming back home to who we were when we were born, when our soul was like fresh and not conditioned and didn't have traumas or anything like that. Um, And we're kind of coming back to this place of like our soul knows this. We're just kind of trying to re-remember who we are and, and what we're here Four, and I think that understanding that you're unique is one of the most liberating things that we can learn about ourselves because we've all been, truthfully, by society and by the structures we live under, very homogenized in the way that we see life and think and and 
I think that when we uncover this, it's like, oh, wait, I can do things differently. Like, that's okay. And for someone that, like, really played by the rules a lot in life, I was like, wait, there is a very angsty side of my human design, a very provoking and poke the bear energy. And, like, I'm allowed to be like that? Like, I won't get in trouble? You're telling me that people will, like, you know, see this as a skill and this is a gift? And I, you know, so, yeah, I just think that human design can offer you a lot of clarity. and. um connect you back to oh someone gosh. that you already knew you were. Oh my gosh, I'm excited. <laughs> Do it, really? Tell me everything. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's interesting because in looking at your two charts, there's actually a lot of similarities. And I mean, I don't know your relationship very well, but I think that when we think about compatibility in human design, it goes two ways. If you're similar to someone in the chart, you have like a deep knowing and a connection to that similarity. But when someone's different than you, it gives you wisdom about the differences of life, mm. right? So, for example, like my partner and I are pretty opposite in a lot of ways in our chart, and he's shown me a lot. But when someone's the same as me, I'm like, oh, you just speak my language. Like, it's just easy, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, just like super cool that you two have such similar charts. Um, I think it's worth noting that if someone's listening— it might be helpful to um, even open their human design chart if they'd like it. Um, there are a lot of free websites online. You can also go to my website is www.stephsullivan.co and Steph is spelled with two Fs, which confuses a lot of people. Um, <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, slash generate chart and then it will it'll bring you to my website. But But basically, when you first pull up your chart, I'll have you both look at yours as well. Okay. There's a lot to look at, right? Like we have so much going on. Oh, wow. And when you when you first see a human design chart, I say to people, like, go to something that feels familiar. So I'm curious, what do you see on this? Either a word or a symbol or a shape or something that just like speaks to you or calls to you? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Or something you just like recognize. I think it can be a cool place to land. The, the symbol that I see is the moon. Like, I just mm. look at every time I look at the symbols, all I see is like the that's where my eye line goes to. Yeah. I don't know if that's yeah helpful. Yeah, the moon is what drives you, your okay. inner world, what you feel driven by. Okay. Uh, it was this, I don't know what to call that. Just yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> the far right triangle is your emotional center. Mm. So, this is a place you both have the same configuration. So, when you look at the chart, these shapes, there's nine of them. They represent centers of energy in our body. So this is called the body graph, and it's going to kind of give you a blueprint of your energy, how your energy is operating in the world, how it's felt by other people. So when you see something on your chart that's white, one of these shapes is filled in with white, it's going to indicate you're open energetically here. So you are going to take in energy from other people, and you're going to be more empathic in a sense. So I'm not surprised that you picked <laughs> this because knowing what I know about you, this is the emotional center, which you both have open, and this indicates someone is emotionally empathic. They feel feelings. Mm -hmm. They feel an influx of emotional energy in this space. And so doing the work that you do, I'm sure that's like a big part of, <laughs> you know, what you're doing when you're with people is, is feeling into this. And then when we look at within these shapes, you'll see all these numbers. These indicate different personality traits within that energy that you will, you will hold. So another similarity you both have, so you both have an open emotional center considered emotionally empathic. And then if you look closely, these numbers are quite small, but six is activated. So you'll see 
there's a circle around it with a color coming out. So before when I mentioned that we have our subconscious, this is going to be the left side of the chart down the sides. You'll see all these numbers and they correspond to what's inside the chart. So it's just like a second way to see it. It's just more information, new information. Um, so subconsciously, a big skill, Alyssa, that you have, and then yours is conscious, is to have the ability to be conflict in conflict, the person that's kind of like here to resolve it, that wants to resolve it. When there's conflict there, there's an emotional maybe upheaval. Someone with gate six, we call gate anything that's activated this number. Um, yeah, someone that might be like that mediator, that person that wants to resolve. And so if you look at any of these numbers, you're going to see that anything that's green is more of your conscious, your personality traits. Anything that's this clay color on my chart specifically is more going to be subconscious to you, a gift that you might not be as aware of, but that can show up in your life. So 64 different gates on the human design chart indicates we've got a ton of different configurations and this is when we get like really in depth in human design looking at like okay this is my emotional center and what within the center is going to be ways that I use this energy and almost like filter life through mm -hmm. so yeah that's kind of like a little um place to notice that you both have that emotional empathy and and anyone that has an open center really needs to be mindful how much time they're spending around energy mm. because it can kind of fill up that center and then have you feeling like oh i'm actually not perhaps in my own energy i'm picking up energy from others i can use that for short periods but it's always important to come back to the fact that you need to kind of clear out that space and that will be healthiest and probably best for you to be on your own mm. um, to kind of release some of that emotional energy so we we kind of look to the gates as places to get really in-depth information into someone's you know unique composition but i think that in human design like there's kind of these layers and a lot of people approach it first like okay what is my energy type this is like the most common i, I think place that people hear about human design and you are both projectors which are 20 percent of the population so it is one of the more rare and to see two projectors together i think is really <laughs> unique and it's a really interesting thing to notice um but what's also interesting, and a lot of people don't know this about projector energy, is that there are three categories of projectors. So we look to what in the chart is active, so what is colored in. So in Alyssa's case, if you look at your chart, your throat is active, which is this brown box on your okay. chart. Okay. And then right below that is your identity center or your soul. So as a projector with just these two spaces activated, um, you are considered a classic projector where you have these activated. That's very much a, a projector energy. And if anyone's like, what is a projector? You can go onto my website as well. I have lots of information on there. But in short, projectors are here to guide and they're here to use their energy in a very unique way that isn't meant to necessarily um, work in the usual kind of nine to five world. A lot of projectors, when they hear, okay, perhaps I actually don't have the capacity to do like the same work for the same intensity all the time. It can be an energy that sometimes wants to ebb and flow. So it can look like projectors actually getting three solid hours of work a day that's super zoned in and very efficient and very focused. And then the rest of their work day, they're like, you know what? 
I'm good. I got all my stuff done. They're like exactly walking around. They might like, you know, I think of like in an office setting, they're like walking around and talking to everyone. And, you know, there's something unique about this energy that has a capacity that's different, but in the time that it's working can be extremely efficient. And so projectors are my most common client and often very, I feel misunderstood in a way. Their gift is to see into others very deeply um, and sometimes struggle to see into themselves where they can be so outwardly focused, like we talked about, that sometimes there is um, an invitation that they need to receive to kind of like come back in and do that inner reflection. And two things that they desire the most deeply is recognition which I've picked up on your episodes for both of you, that mm-hmm. that's probably a place that that is, is necessary to feel like you're connected to who you are and what you're doing. So for example, when someone messages you about something they heard on the podcast that was really life-changing, being recognized for having the impact is a very big desire to the projector. Um, and just feeling like they can use their energy in the way that they want, where they're not burning out and they feel this level of success. So if you look on your chart, you'll see the word success is your signature. And in human design, that's basically what you're going to feel when you're in alignment. So earlier when you talked, like people don't always know what they feel. I think human design can kind of give us clues. Like when I am in Mm -hmm. alignment, what's there for me? And a lot of projectors see this word and they're like, but wait, I, I've maybe been in my life, in my head, kind of, you know, looking at, okay, success, but how much work is involved to reach the success I want? And a lot of projectors get freaked out by that because they might say, okay, I don't know if I have the same capacity to reach success. I've been told that you have to do X, Y, and Z to be successful. For the projector, it's actually about reframing that word success, redefining what it means, and knowing that success will look and feel probably differently than the next person because your energy is just different. So you're going to use it different. And usually success looks like doing work that they're recognized for. And that's successful regardless of money and how much time they spend working and things like that. They want to know that what they're doing and what they are putting that efficient energy towards is having an impact, is being recognized. So in the workplace, ensuring that you let people know that you need to be recognized in partnerships, asking um you know, just telling people like that's really important to you, but then also noticing when are you seeking recognition too much, right? Mm-hmm. When are you looking for that validation and um, perhaps attention seeking or um, looking for the wrong recognition or in the wrong places? That can mm-hmm. be sometimes a theme for the projector when they're getting too obsessed with being recognized. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need to recognize yourself. Mm-hmm. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. So you both have kind of those flavors. Um, but the thing to note again is that where we're activated, what's colored in on the chart is going to be somewhere we exude energy. So the fact that you have a podcast and you both have this activated throat center, typically activated energy is just able to be broadcasted out. And someone with an activated throat is here to speak and lead through their voice and be someone that does share. And we call it manifesting. It's manifesting energy when we're delivering energy from other areas in our body out our throat. That's kind of the whole point of human design is how do we get energy to the throat to take action and communicate and like bring our energy out into the world. We both um, have activated throats? Yeah. Or- so both of yours are are colored in. 
Um, What's my subtype for the projector? Yeah, so you're, you are considered an energy projector. So when you have projectors that are more classical, they might experience their energy a little bit differently, whereas the energy um, projector, which is classified by the bottom shape you have, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's your root. Oh, yeah. And this is a lot of drive and ambition and very much an energy of pressure, can feel pressured to take action. So it gives you an extra flavor <laughs> of the energy to like, to, to want to use your energy. And in the case of you two, because Alyssa, your, your route is actually open. I'm curious to know what your experience is with this, because when one person's route is active and one is open, and I know this deeply because this is my partner and I, one can put pressure on the other. So there can be like, we should do this. We got to do this. Should we do this? And, and kind of like, yeah, just where we're active, we put on to other people. Where we're open, we will pull in. So I'm curious, in your relationship together, what what does pressure feel like? I'll look to you on that. I mean, I, look, I can look to Greg, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure he would feel that way, but I don't know if you felt that or not. So, like, yeah. I, I don't think I feel – we're not usually – usually when we have ideas, we spit them out. We're both like, yeah, that sounds good. If yeah. anything, Alyssa runs with them faster than I do. Yeah. If anything. Yeah, but, but I don't know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah it's just a, a place to look to, and sometimes we – also, as much as we have these configurations, we've maybe been conditioned mm -hmm. or to not, it's the nature true. versus nurture to like mm -hmm. not yeah. do that because someone might have said, oh, don't be like oh, that. Oh, like historically, you know? I'm, I'm thinking of group projects for so much of my life was yeah. just nothing but pressuring other yeah. people, right? Like that's not, that's true. That's, yeah. but I probably have worked really hard to consciously yeah. not apply pressure to something that's meant to be fun yeah. or like add like I'm not a taskmaster, but it's a deliberate choice for sure. Yeah. 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 And it, it is the nature versus nurture debate because I think you can be, you know, you can have this human design chart and then you've lived your life very differently based off of so many circumstances you've experienced. Yeah. Um, but I feel urgency around stuff. If that's probably the pressure yeah. where it's like even decorating the living room, I'd be like... I, I I have a like let's do it let's do it let's get this let's make this happen yeah. energy that and I don't know if Greg's is open or closed but I'm guessing open <laughs> because he's more like you know there's time and I'm like I don't know why I feel there isn't yeah, yeah. and that's a place to just like notice and yeah. it it the filters you see these things through are again going to come through those gates those numbers that are activated. Um, but also in the sense of you being a projector, your heart is active, which is that little red triangle. Mm -hmm. And the heart is all about integrity. And um, this is what I mentioned my reader kind of shared with me about not overworking and mm -hmm. making sure you have two days off of rest and being really <laughs> in tune to like your rest and work cycle. And this energy when you're active here is like, work hard, but play harder. Mm -hmm. It wants to work to rest. It just is like, I'm here to just get this done so I can rest. And that's like <laughs> that's what drives exactly how the energy. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have re like built my life to be exactly like that. Yeah. Which is so, that's so interesting. Yeah. I feel that. And then Alyssa, in your case, because your heart is open, you are here to be wise when you're open because you can kind of like feel all the feels anywhere that you're open. So in your case, it's being wise about rest and work and like, and honoring and seeing how other people might handle their work-rest relationship and kind of being the person to say, like, 
I don't know if we need to do it that way. Like maybe we can do something a different way or just being really clear on what that is for you. And then also taking note when you're open somewhere, there can be a tendency in this heart center, which is related to our self-worth, to when you're open, question the energy. So question your self-worth. Connect perhaps even your productivity to your self-worth and think that I'll be more worthy if I work harder. And in the case of the projector, I'll be worthy when I'm successful. With an open heart and a projector energy, there could be that theme there mm-hmm. that can show up. But being really clear on like what your boundaries are and, and saying, okay, like this no longer feels like it's going to be a part of the work that I do mm-hmm. and and letting that kind of be that. But overall, as a projector, you're both here to guide. And ultimately, that can either be people or processes or systems or resources, or it doesn't always have to be like being a teacher, but it can show up in a way of being the person to guide or project manage or middle manage. Projectors are like, they're like, we do not want to be, you know, at the head of the thing and having all these people rely on us. Like they they can be entrepreneurs, but they're here to be surrounded by people and work in teams. They work really well um, with other energies. And yeah, they're they're the people that see things differently. So they're very valuable in any workplace. I think projectors can find efficiencies and, and look at process and say like, that doesn't work. We should do it this way. But I don't necessarily want to do the work of it. <laughs> I just want to show you the different way because all the energy types are five in total. They all have their unique gift and place in the collective. So when we look at, okay, who's here to build? There's a generating energy type that's, you know, the builder of the society. The manifester, which is my energy type, is here to start things. And the projectors guide it and the generators build it. And then the manifesting generators here to say, okay, we're going to take this shortcut, do things a little differently. I'm going to go build here. I'll come back to the group. They're kind of a little more all over. And the reflectors here to let us know if we're healthy and in alignment. Mm -hmm. So we need all five of the energies. And ultimately, the more we step into our unique energy, I think it allows other people to shine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you talked about it in a work because like – I wasn't resonating with that when when you said a lot of that. I didn't really resonate. But I with project management, like at work, I'm like, yeah, like project yeah. management is what I really like, and which is probably why I really like my my current job so yeah. much because I can I can sort of be the one helping the projects along and seeing it, you know, being there from like the brainstorm to the implementation. I really like that. So I'm glad right. you like put it in a work context because yeah. at first I wasn't, yeah. like it wasn't, it wasn't hitting at me, yeah. but that definitely does. Yeah. Most projectors um, that aren't entrepreneurs are in project management that mm. I read for, which okay. is like not by accident. That's yeah. where their energy goes, <laughs> yeah. right? That's like, that's what they're here to do. So if they're not a teacher or a guide, like projectors <laughs> project are always teachers. Then a, I was a project manager, <laughs> yeah. then a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm this. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. it all makes sense. But yeah. Project management and, and yeah, here to work, like still with the front line and help build, but from almost like a removed state. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting, actually, I also noted this and I'm curious how this shows up. Alyssa, your energy, I'd say, is more of a starting energy. Would you feel that? Yeah. 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 Because there's a couple places in your chart that you have this energy to um, desire new beginnings or, like, mm-hmm. freshness. Yeah, that so, resonates. I don't really – but then I get kind of – I get tired. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the projector, right? The projector yeah. doesn't have – 
consistent energy inside their body. Now you are an energy projector, so you'll feel the the ability to pull in bursts of energy, but there's a place in the chart, which is second from the bottom in the gut. This is the sacral. Um, and this is where we're, we're most of the collective, 70% has this active and we, all three of us don't. So our energy oh, just isn't as consistent. So we're not, we're not necessarily here to see it all the way through to mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of projectors are hard on themselves and manifestors and reflectors. We're all similar in this way because you do get burnt out a little quicker mm-hmm. and it is a little harder. And so like you were mentioning about being a teacher, it's like, why can't I maybe do this in the same way? And I had that with nursing, like, why can't I just like push through this? You know, mm-hmm. I'm curious, have you had that experience at work, Alyssa, where you're feeling like it's harder for you um, to sustain? That's a good question. I I feel like yes would be the honest answer, but also I just push through it usually t- so, that it, so that it doesn't matter, honest, right. if that makes any sense. Yeah. I'm like, but I know I can do it, so I'm just yeah. get it done. Where I just like I push the tired out of the yeah I just push it away yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well something to note is that when you're working in a group setting or an office you're taking an energy from everyone yeah don't do you. well in an office space so you will you will though something to know is that you can pick up this sacral energy that you don't have anywhere we're open we can pick it up from other people and okay. you can use it for a short period like so, a networking event. That yes. rings true to me. I'm like all day at the office, exhausted. But a networking yeah. event, a couple hours, yeah. in and out, Get I can that. do it. Because yeah. that all day is too long, <laughs> yeah. right? So that's yeah. why the projector, I think, just like has to honor that there's typically like this three to four hours of like high output energy for yourself. Like I know you've shared before too, not, you know, working the typical standard work week has mm-hmm. just not been part of your life. And I think it's really important to just know that even if you're in a standard work week, there's nothing wrong with that. But that there is a solid three hours, whether that's three hours at once or 15-minute chunks all through the day. But when you start to like fade away or drift off or you need to go for a walk or whatever, the projector energy just isn't here to be this consistent, sustained Mm long-term. It's here to guide and get out Mm -hmm. and then come back and guide and go retreat and kind of have this this process of um, just honoring that. Yeah, it's not here to do the whole build. <laughs> like Greg used to always, Greg's a generator, mm. and he used to just always be like, why can't you rally? And I'm like, I don't know, but I can't. <laughs> I can't. Stop <laughs> asking me to. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard when we're, and, you know, we can force our way into or out of any of these energies. I just think that when you lean into, like, what you are born with, it can feel easier. And the whole goal of human design, in my perspective, is more ease mm-hmm. and just feeling more yeah, like connected to who you are. And it doesn't mean that life's not going to be hard. I still struggle to follow my human design, even though I know all the things. But it's like, how can I lean into these gifts and really know that I have unique skills and that for me, for my energy personally, the worst thing I can do is try to do something like someone else or be like Mm -hmm. someone else. Mm -hmm. Because it just takes you out of like the joy of what's here and available in this blueprint of, of who we are. And there's there's a lot. There's a lot here. And I think ultimately what I say to people, like when you look at the chart, find something that's that feels familiar. Look at, um, I kind of run through it like in layers because I think everything at once is a lot. So I often say, look at your energy type, look to your strategy and authority. Those are three um, foundation pieces of human design. Then you can start getting into what do these shapes mean? What do all these numbers mean? What are all these symbols down the sides? And look at deeper layers 
of the chart because ultimately it's a rabbit hole. And I think just, yeah, not trying not to get overwhelmed. And also I want to add, don't take it so seriously. Right. <laughs> like it's it I have wavered in and out of this of almost being like so obsessed with it and then being like okay this is actually starting to hinder my mm-hmm. experience of life. Mm-hmm. It's not that serious. Yes, it's my work and I take it very seriously, but I'm not going to be hard on myself about this or have this start to put me in a box because the whole point of human design is to get out <laughs> of the box. <laughs> so if you're like I'm a projector and I can only work 3 hours a day and yeah. I can't do this work like That's not what it's about. It's just like reflection and a place to look at. And I think ultimately, like knowing what you want to get out of it when you approach it can be helpful. And if you don't know, that's okay too. But I think going into it with an intention, and I ask when anyone books a session, like, what do you want to get out of this? What are you looking for clarity in? And kind of like, yeah, just what's coming up in your life that this hopefully can assist with. And Yeah, I I just say to people too, like it's not a capital T truth. This is a lot of ancient modalities. There's a lot of wisdom into this as well. And sometimes things aren't going to feel good. When I learned my human design, I was like, that is not me. That's the furthest from me when I first learned about it. And then I was like, oh, that's just because I've literally thought I was a different human Mm -hmm. design. Just like naturally, I thought that's how I needed to be. And then when I learned like I could live my life in this way and since really taking this seriously and changing a lot about my life and and just how I see me I have felt more connected to myself than ever so I'm experimenting with it but through that I found validity and mm-hmm. if someone finds validity for themselves and I think that's beautiful yeah, and if someone beautiful. doesn't yeah it's okay. okay. Like yeah. even the first person who ever talked to me about it was in 2016. And the only thing he said was, you're a projector. You need to wait for the invitation. Yeah. Period. That's what I thought it was. And then I, I that changed my life. Yeah. Like just that. Just that one literally piece that piece. Totally. Let alone all how many layers oh there. Gosh, yeah. Like if there was anything else really that jumps out at you about, about for each of us mm-hmm. that, that you with your expertise can tell us that we might not be able to glean for ourselves that would be powerful or useful for us to know. Yeah. What would it be? I'm going to give you like an overall kind of vibe. Okay. Some of this is pulled from the incarnation cross, which is one of the, actually the last places I say for people to go. But I think that it, it, because it pulls four different parts of the chart together, it gives us a really beautiful, I think like summary of the energy and yes, you're both projectors. You're both different projectors. I think it's important to know how that energy will be expressed. You obviously both do very different work. And there are lessons and gifts in your chart that are very different from each other. So I think knowing like what your unique flavor, because just knowing your projector, like you said, can be transformational. But it's like, what does that mean for me? How is that going to show up? Because what you first shared, Alyssa, like it doesn't really resonate. And that's because there's so many little intricacies. And we're nuanced, right? Humans are, are complex. So I think knowing... Your incarnation cross can be helpful. Um, in your case, Alyssa, it's really about emotional experiences. And there is a big theme in your chart around love. So if you look to the center of your chart, this Aww. is your G center. This is your identity, your soul, and love in life. So the right angle cross of Eden is basically there's multiple themes in your chart that you're here to exude love and joy. Hmm. But the idea of like, the Garden of Eden is that you need to go inward and find that like inner light and love and joy, kind of like go into the garden. The energy can be a little bit shy, 
But it's really about connecting to these emotional experiences, about connecting to humanity and love and being here to exude that in whatever creative expression that you want. So it's a it's very much loving, creative, emotional. There's a bit of shyness or caution in this energy, but ultimately joy and love is a huge part of your chart mm. and part of like that's nice. Yeah, your your mission and what you're here to do. Um so yeah, I, th- I think the incarnation cross can be can be a cool place to look. That's and so it, beautiful. I think yeah. it's very nice. <laughs> you exude lots of joy and love. Yeah, yeah. And it's just when we look at the incarnation cross, it's pulling four different parts of the chart together, and ultimately is considered like our life purpose or our mission or our theme, even like our karmic path. Um, and so people often like want to know this right away, but I'm like, you need to. Build a little foundation just mm-hmm. so that you're not getting so obsessed obsessed with sort of this end result. Mm-hmm. And this incarnation cross usually doesn't even express until 40s to 50s. Okay. So we're not here to just like in our 20s realize our purpose. And mm. we're like we're living our best yes. life. <laughs> like it takes a long time, yeah. right, to decondition and peel back the layers and really know who we are at our core. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's a little bit about the cross of Eden. We've talked about your angle cross because we share the same right angle cross of tension. And I think it's worth noting that when I learned about this energy in my chart, and we've we've talked about this too, I was really nervous to have this energy. This energy, the right angle cross of tension is here to provoke people. Yeah, when I saw that word, I was like, what the heck? Yeah. Trying not to provoke people. Same. Exactly <laughs> the same. And I never seem to figure it out. Yeah. So we are born, you're the second and I'm the third of July. And so we're born under this energy. Every six days, the energy shifts throughout the year. So because our birthdays are similar, we're both um, born under this energy of provoking people. And because this energy is through the energy of cancer, which is very like emotional and feely, I think it's hard to grapple with like we're here to provoke. And in my brain, that translates to upset people. But provoking people is not to upset them. It's to actually push them towards alignment mm-hmm. and be a catalyst for someone's transformation and change. You're not here to just annoy people or poke the bear, although that can be part of it. It can be an annoying energy that let's sometimes just <laughs> is that. That's not in its highest expression. We do want to try to like notice our gifts and use them in, in the best way that we can. But the cross of tension is that like an instrument, there always needs to be like tension in some way or surrounded by guitars. So it's very <laughs> fitting. But we need to have that and we need to... Um, we need to know that our gift is going to upset people. And I'm not at this place of acceptance with this gift that we both share. I still struggle when I provoke someone I've been told throughout my life. And I'm curious if you have that. I just trigger people. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, I do like that's terrible. No. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like this idea of being a catalyst. I mean, for growth, it's like in my work that, goes over better usually but mm. even in that setting where people are asking for it I can st- I can feel where the tension's coming but they also yeah. know that the love is there and that it's yeah. I have no like desire for anyone to ever be hurt it's it's but even though that's my intention 
when we're creating growth for people, like even accidentally just by being, mm -hmm. that creates discomfort for people. Totally. And I hate being the cause of discomfort. It's just uncomfortable <laughs> to be have, to know that that had that effect, mm -hmm. especially when it wasn't intentional. Mm -hmm. And like there's sometimes I in my work, it, it can be intentional. And then in other times in life, it's very much I thought I was minding my own business yeah. <laughs> or I was just like saying something. I don't know. It really wasn't a, an intentional it wasn't in my mind to do that, mm -hmm. um, and it can still have that effect. And yeah, I do. I feel that I have. I mean, I create. I feel like there's something about me that's more triggering than other people. Yeah. Um, and I've worked really hard to soften that as best I can, um, and also been trying to accept that 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 can be a gift. It can be beautiful, and just try to do what I can to eliminate my own triggers or heal my own triggers so that I know what's mine and what's someone else's yeah. and to try to create some separation between just because I had that effect didn't doesn't change who I know I am mm -hmm. like I can't always hold responsibility for how other people react to me but it's that's that's work itself to figure out how to how to know the difference because there you can sometimes like I know where I can slip into it to, to be like nope that was like active provoke Provocation yeah. <laughs> versus the ex, the the kind that wasn't, or when it yeah. comes from a really loving place. Sometimes I still have to question, but is it why am I why am I trying to make someone grow? Mm -hmm. Like what is why? Like mm -hmm. they, they I have to be invited yes. if I'm trying when I try and push growth. I have to really question like what would make me feel better about them doing that? Like mm -hmm. what that and take step back. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that just knowing that. When we have this gift, we can sometimes do and say nothing. Mm -hmm. It's just an energy we put off. And people pick up if they're open in a certain area and we're really active there. Like they can feel that really deeply off of us. And I, I feel so similar about my experience with it. I think behind it also is something to look at. One of the energies within this cross is the energy of control. Mm -hmm. Both of you actually have this in your chart as a desire for control and with the provoking, it's like, am I trying to get a result yes. that I want out of this person? You know, like an example yep. of this for me is like wanting to do things to push people because I want them to be better. But on the other side of that, I've learned is that I want them to be better for me. Exactly. That's but not what for I'm, themselves. That's what I'm exactly what I was what what I was meaning. Yeah. Like that is the when I am pushing for that, I have to say why. Mm -hmm. First of all, why do I think I know? And even if I can, am trusting that, then it's like I, it is about control. It is like I, I will feel better. I will feel safer. I will feel mm -hmm. more peaceful. I will feel more, um, un, uh, like just it'll feel better if yeah. that if I can get that result, which is you know also stems probably from all sorts of childhood things and and try and like being aware of energies and trying to be like how will I be okay mm -hmm. and controlling situations to feel more okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a really big difference between like trying to figure out when that's the case and when it's coming from a more um, like pure non, like trusting place, not mm -hmm. about control. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. yeah, it is. And the flip side to this energy also is a fear of rejection. And so, like, it's a bit tricky. I think the projector in general actually holds, like, this fear of rejection. And I think that ultimately the desire to be seen and accepted and recognized can um, 
be the place that energy pushes towards that. But in looking for recognition on the flip side of that coin is like fearing mm-hmm. not getting the recognition mm-hmm. or, or being recognized for the wrong things. I mm-hmm. think that's the other thing. Um, projectors are here really to learn also that someone recognizing their hard work can be damaging to, mm-hmm. to their energy because they are here to be seen for who they are, not the work that they do. Mm-hmm. Like how do you show up in your work? Not what is your output? That's not, that's not success to the projector. Mm-hmm. That resonated yeah. with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, wow. <laughs> I have this right now. I have, I, I'm so lucky at work. Um, I have like the best management team. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I just feel so lucky in my position, but I have currently have one manager and she often says, you don't get anything extra for 110%. So mm. you need to stop giving it. Like, like mm. she's asking me to do, do less. less. Yeah, she's the like, less her not. soul. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Like I really, the leadership team at work is incredible. Yeah. Um, and very like, in, they're all very, very insightful people. Like mm. one of my bosses know, knows his insights colors and we have the same ones. We talk about it. Like oh, they're wow. very, they're really great. But yeah, the 110% thing always like she has to say it to me multiple times a week, and I'm like, I'm starting to get it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting there, yeah. but it that resonated really deeply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's just not the same focus of the projector's life. Mm-hmm. They're they're just not here to operate in the same way. And yeah, I just think ultimately when we can, like I said, lean into our unique view and gift and and call on support for people to remind us to come back to these places. So if you look at the chart, you'll see not self theme. If, if someone's mm-hmm. not calling you into alignment, this will, this feeling will, this is the opposite of our signature. When we're aligned, when we're off our track, the projector feels bitter. And the biggest place this comes in is when you're not waiting for your invite. So maybe you share something like either of you and you see something so deeply, someone doesn't see it, but you're like, oh, and especially in your case, like that provoking energy, you can share something and then it doesn't land with them or they get upset or they're like, I didn't ask you. Unsolicited advice is the worst thing a projector can do Yeah. because on the flip side of that is realizing, oh, I didn't wait for the invite and perhaps I shared something that they're not ready to see or hear or I wasn't recognized a bitterness comes in when it's like, I'm working too hard. No one's seeing my value. No one's hearing me. No one's letting me share my gifts. It's it's a painful experience for the projector when they're out of alignment. And it can feel very lonely and very isolating and a, and a big theme of feeling rejected or not good enough. Um, and I think projectors hold the most interest in human design. Like I said, they're my number one client. And and even though 20% of the population, like probably 80% of my business, because <laughs> they want to get other people. But I say to project, or I just say to most people, but especially to projectors, my provoking energy is like, hey, you need to look in. I know you look out a lot. You look at how other people operate and and how you can help people and how you can help this process, this project, but like look in as well. And there's a fear there for a lot of projectors. Um, so that can be challenging to kind of do that inner inquiry, but projectors have a lot to learn through other people, but then you have to go back with the knowledge and the wisdom and, yeah, like, and take it in for yourself and, yeah. re- and like really let it change you, really let it transform you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think often when projectors share things, they actually need to hear it too. Yeah. Right. It's like you're sharing wisdom and guiding something or process or sharing insights you see, but that's also for you. It can be for the collective, for one person, for a group of people, but also for yourself. 
Oh, yeah. Like I, I always say that at work, like pretty much everything I share comes from something I need to hear or, yeah. or have needed to hear or still need to hear, whatever. Like it's, that's just true. It's like, and, but that, I think that rejection piece rings really true. And that, like by applying it inward, like the, it's, it creates more self acceptance so mm-hmm. that if we don't reject ourselves, we don't feel so much of the time at risk of being rejected Mm -hmm. like that I still have that feeling but much less than it once was like once 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 in my life I would say that was like the driving fear or like the the predominant thing that was at the root of everything was just like feeling rejected all the time (laughs) like not feeling liked by my own family not feeling like just not feeling liked and so it was like I was felt constantly rejected but was also rejecting myself because I wasn't able to look inward. And I feel like that, I mean, I think a big part of being a therapist is often because we have to learn how to do that stuff for ourselves, and we have to be able to take that stuff inward mm-hmm. and and not just use it to be a vehicle for other people. And like, that's the first thing I'll say if someone comes in my office is like, none of this came from my desire to do this. Like mm-hmm. this all came from my desire to help me. Mm-hmm. And it always will. Like that'll, if I stop working on like trying to understand myself, trying to see myself more clearly and the impacts I'm having and everything. Like that's how I can, I know that that's connected to being useful yeah. to other people. I can't, can't go without, like I can't do it without that. And then like, I'm really grateful for for Greg, who is um, like has become a really safe person who can help me see things that I can't see and like look in those, like in that, in to myself in a way that I would have not only missed, but like it would have been incredibly felt like threatening or dangerous. Or I just would have wanted to shut it down. Mm. Yeah, but it's a forever a work in progress. Like will always always be more to more to understand. I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think something to note too, when you have the provocation kind of theme is the emotional experience, because it comes in a very emotional way, can be moving towards the more melancholic side. It can be a question of like, sometimes feeling sad or feeling, yeah, just like a different emotional experience, whereas your, your cross will move towards more like joy I think that sometimes we need to just say, okay, listen, don't fight it. Like what, what you resist persists. And, and I've just come to accept, like, sometimes I'm a little more on a sad side, you know? And I don't know. I, I have people like my partner will say, like, he's very intuitive to emotions. He's a reflector, which is like 1% of the population and he's a mirror. So he'll be like, why are you sad? I'm like, I don't know. I just am. Nothing's making me sad. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm just sad. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be any reason. He's like, uh, he just like can't compute. Like he, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I literally don't know. I just woke up sad. And my mom and I have a very similar human design chart, which is very weird. When I looked at her chart, I realized how similar we are and how emotional we are and how just so the same we are. And I feel like it's given me so much love for her because I see myself reflected in her. And I just thought she's my mom. Genetically, that makes sense. But in our design, it's like right there. And so, yeah, I think human design can be a tool to just give you like love for how someone else shows up and, mm-hmm. and not try to change them. I've really come to accept. And 
And I don't say this lightly, but if it wasn't for human design, I, I'd be so confused by my partner. He is the <laughs> most strange person I've ever met, but I have this tool <laughs> that I've examined so deeply and he'll do something. And I'm like, oh, that makes total sense. <laughs> but if I didn't know this, I'd be like, so strange. Yeah. So much judgment, perhaps. But now it's just like, okay. Mm. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. What a what a what a gift to have that yeah. tool at your disposal to be able to be more like to understand where people are coming from and yeah. and I even for me in my work like the, my very limited understanding of human design and understanding the different energy types has has changed how I think about because so many people come to me to help with how they use their energy how they mm-hmm. use their time how they use their like the resource of energy and time and just know like being able to open my mind enough to think about all these different ways that that people operate and that what can feel right can feel right for you and wrong for you. Like there's such a spectrum of what's going to feel like it's just new language or a new lens on how to think about that. And I Mm -hmm. think I've just always, because I guess my projector side, I've, I, because I feel like I work from a low baseline of like what's possible in a day, mm-hmm. I find it resonates with pe- people probably because it's like if it's achievable for a projector, it's mm-hmm. probably like, or for me, if I should like, if I, cause I build everything at like 60%. So mm-hmm. like if I can, if it seems like people with more energy find like, oh, well, that's manageable, you know, if that makes sense. It's, mm-hmm. but being able to see why somebody like, like Craig could work, like he, he has such a, deeper well of energy it seems like to pull from and that what's right for him isn't working three hours a day usually like if he's deeply engrossed in a in a project he's happy to do it 12 hours a day and and for me to not have any feeling about like is that should you be doing that and just being like if it feels good it feels good and for me like there's I use that three hours loosely like obviously as you said that's not exactly how we have to think about it but just just knowing that what feels good for somebody can feel really um different for somebody else is yeah. I just love that about it yeah. and I think projectors need to learn also that there's this idea in life that like I I don't know if this saying resonates with me actually no it, it doesn't now that I say it in my head that what, how does it go if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life mm. yeah <laughs> for us three anyone without a sacral yeah. activated <laughs> no because no. what actually happens is that without the sacral we don't generate energy. The sacral is what makes a generator a generator or a manifesting generator a generator. So if you think about what that means, you know, I know that we're all kind of like traumatized by generators on the island, but a generator is here to give energy, right? You yeah. plug it and it gives energy. When we work as non-sacral beings, we call them projectors, reflectors, manifestors, we don't create more energy necessarily. We're not generating from that. So we can really love what we do. It doesn't mean it gives us more energy. There's Mm -hmm. those people that we all know, they work and they're like, they turn on, they light up, they get so excited. That's just not us. And Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of my life, I thought, why can't I just love what I do and be so into it and like, oh my God, I'm, you know, and it's just not me. I love what I do, but it drains me and Mm -hmm. I'm okay saying that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I love human design. I love teaching movement classes. I love being a nurse most of the time, (laughs) but (laughs) those three things, no matter how much I love them, no matter how much purpose I feel or connected to them, they still drain me Mm -hmm. and that that's okay. Yeah. 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 I totally get that. So much wisdom in this. (laughs) I mean, we could talk all day. This is fascinating. It is fascinating. (laughs) But is there anything that you really want? Like, 
um, our listeners to really like take away from this conversation or like they really just really want people to understand about this type of work or mm-hmm. or this type of offering or or how or they yourself can work with or, you. or how they can work with yeah, yeah like yeah. give us yeah. all your yeah so I mean based on your human design you're going to gravitate towards learning human design in different ways <laughs> so uh, if you don't know what your human design is like I said get your chart first. Just look at it. See what it's like calling to you. See what's there. There's some clickable links um, you can explore on my website. And some people will know right away they want a one-on-one session. Some people are just like, I need to know everything immediately. I'm obsessed. Let's do this. There's just those types of people. There's some people that want to dabble, do their own research. Maybe you'd rather go to a workshop or an event. Um, I cater to all people because that's just who I am. I like to offer all different types of things. So I have workshops that you can watch from home if you don't want to be with people. I do group programs. I do one-on-one work um, where we read your chart together. It's very conversational, very intuitive. Um, And ultimately, I want to meet people where they're at. And some people, like what I did, will generate their chart, and then it just falls by the wayside. I believe human design finds you when it's meant to, but it will become part of your life when it's meant to. Mm -hmm. So I don't want someone to start their human design journey in a way that I've prescribed. So I just let people have, you know, have free reign, do whatever feels good. And that in itself is practicing your human design. When you just like lean into what, not what you think you should do, because human design is all about getting out of the mind and into the body. So what is your body wanting and we can explore that in your human design chart but ultimately yeah just come home to like what what part feels good next not trying to figure it all at once they say it takes seven years to fully unravel your human design chart and embody it and learn it that's like you know kind of a stat that people have thrown around wow I'm on year five and I feel like I need a whole nother decade (laughs) so there's no rush I feel like we you know, when we approach something like this from a place of lack, there's like an anxiety behind us wanting to know this information. It's like, I need to know more about myself. How can I be better? It's I don't approach it like that. Mm-hmm. My philosophy, I am here to provoke people. I am here to kind of, um, I have the gate of shock in my human design. So sometimes like give you information that wakes you up. That's like, oh gosh, okay, yeah. Like I needed to hear that, but from a very loving Cancerian energy, like very, (laughs) very want you to be cared for and not leave like feeling at all stressed. Um, But ultimately you're going to find what you want out of it when you want. And I think that knowing you can explore this however you want and find someone that feels good to you to explore it with. I think that one of the worst things you can do is think, okay, I have to do this with this person. Like, I, so many of my clients say, I randomly found you on the internet or like you came up on Google and I don't even know how I found you, but like, here we are. This is so weird. I'm like, nothing is weird. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is meant to be. And ultimately, if you feel called and you're listening, you're like, I really want to explore this, like do what feels best next. And, you know, there's so many ways to learn. And I think because I have this outlook on everyone's unique, I like really hope that people find part of my different offerings, many offerings that that feels good to them. And some people like groups, some people like one-on-one. I ultimately just want everyone to move at the pace they want and find comfort in this and not be stressed doing it. It's here to be fun and and illuminating. My goodness. Illuminating is a beautiful <laughs> that word. Is a good <laughs> the best place to find you is on your website. Yeah, I'm trying to be Instagram. less on social. Okay. Me too. Um, it's a struggle though. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot of energy in that space. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, my website has all that you need to know. There's a great FAQ. There's even a workshop that I really recommend if you're at all interested in knowing the general human design modality. It's an introductory workshop you can watch from home and it kind of gives you like everything you need to know about the whole system. So you learn about all five energies because I think while it's great to have this tool for yourself, it's actually about like also understanding other people. Mm -hmm. So Again, that balance we talked about at the beginning, like you can go into the ditch one or, yeah. you know, the other way. <laughs> but like ultimately, I think it can be a tool to do both and even at once. Mm-hmm. They can be simultaneous. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And uh, and take a look on, on our Instagram for the giveaway yes. that we're doing with staff. Yes. That's really so, so generous really, and so exciting. Yes, so lovely. Our audience is going to be so excited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if anyone has any questions or they're, they're just wanting some support, I'm... I'm available. Just email is my preference. Amazing. (laughs) Sounds great. Well, we're so grateful to you for coming today, for sharing all this beautiful wisdom with us and your story with us. And we're so excited for more people to find you and discover this tool for how it can benefit their own life and other people's around them. And we just want to thank everyone for listening. Yeah. Thank you. See you next time.